Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. We've got a special episode before DEF CON here with Richard Carlton and Jesse Barnum. Welcome, guys. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. So we're going to be talking about um, FileMaker Go and some updates uh, since we last talked a couple of weeks ago, since there's been some new things learned. So a super container is revved specifically for it. So how did that all come about? Uh, Richard pretty much browbeat me into it. And so thank you, Richard, because uh, <laughs> it's a cool cool story for DEF CON. Uh, Supercontainer 2.75 now works great in FileMaker Go through a web viewer. And uh, you can view documents and uh, view QuickTime, view, view full PDFs, Microsoft Word documents, which you can't do with just regular container fields. So. What about uploading documents to a database uh, with it? Read only, because Mobile Safari does not support uploads. Oh, got it. Which is maybe good enough, but I guess there's not that much content. So you can't also put things in from your existing library, like your photo library? No. If there's support in HTML5 at some point to use the camera or access the photo library, then we'll be sure to get on that. But at this point, there's no technical way to accomplish that. Hmm. Okay. Still pretty useful. Absolutely. No, we're using it. In fact, the, one of the best demos of it is the uh, live uh, video uh, display right through FileMaker in real time and streaming, right? And Jesse worked on that to make sure that would work. And that's a, we're going to demo that in our session. Wait, live video through FileMaker? through Well, streaming video, right? So the, the idea is that you can have a, a very large uh, video file, and it streams and plays right through FileMaker and uh, a, a web viewer. It's great. So you can have, like, a library of a bunch of movies and stream them. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was actually um, – I was surprised. That was kind of a last-minute uh, technical change for us because I didn't realize that the uh, mobile version of QuickTime – does different HTTP requests for, for streaming QuickTime movies than it does for downloading other types of resources. So that was kind of a last-minute uh, change for us to support HTTP byte range requests so that we could support that mobile streaming feature on iPad and iPhone. Yeah, Cool. No, it's exciting technology, and we're going to be, uh, like I said, showing it and promoting it because it's a mission-critical technology, and I think 80% of our customers use a super container. So it's, a, it's something that has to be in the product to be successful, I think. 80%, that's a pretty good start. <laughs> it's exciting for me, Richard. We love Richard. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can easily see why. That's pretty amazing. So let's see. Um, what other 360 Works products? I mean, obviously, you guys have a lot of plugins, and plugins aren't supported with Go. But then you've got products like Supercontainer, which has a plugin aspect, but really it's, there's a huge part of it that's not about the plugin. Are other products going to be like that, where you have some sort of a crossover where there's Go uh, implications? Currently not. Supercontainer is the only product that we have that is going to... Uh, to be able to be accessed on FileMaker Go. Um, I'm planning on talking to FileMaker about that, seeing if there's some technical changes that they can make to allow maybe, uh, for in instance, server-side execution of plugins, which seems like it's definitely technically feasible, but at the moment, no. You know, I have to confess that there's some aspects of server-side scripting that I don't really fully understand in terms of being able to actually use things that are normally client-side things, but actually have them execute on the server, and how do you call that? So is that going to be maybe possible? Sure. Like you could have a server-side script that runs every minute um, that would, you know, check for records that have a flag status set. You know, for instance, if you wanted to make it so you could use our Scribe plugin to pull the contents out of a PDF file. You could make it so that when you set something in FileMaker Go, set a status flag or whatever, there's some script that runs every minute on the server, finds the things with that status, processes them with the server-side script. I think I meant server-side plugins. Did I say server-side scripts? 
the, to me, they're they're really oh. one and the same because you know the way you access plugins on the server is generally through a server side script that is scheduled to run at a certain time. Oh, I see, I see. I see. So it's not like a it's not like the user can run an action. The plugin has to be called from a script that's um, running on the server as a server side automated task. As a, as a schedule, you schedule that right, so okay. you can re- repeat frequently. And and that that technology has been uh, robust and worked out, and, and a lot of the bugs have been taken out of it. So because I remember initially when it first shipped that if two of the schedules ran into each other at the same time, you could potentially you know cause a crash or things like that. But the engineers of FileMaker have worked really hard to remove those issues. So it's pretty reliable, especially with the 11v2 product. Hmm. So then you could get access to all kinds of plug-in that way. Okay. Yeah. Just, and it would basically work as though it was like running on the client then. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It wouldn't be, it, it's not quite as nice as I would like it to be um, because there is a delay. You know, if you do some action on FileMaker Go, you can't script uh, server uh, scripts to run more frequently than once per minute. So there is up to 60 seconds of delay between the time that you would do something and the time that the server would pick that up and do something with it. And I'd really like to talk to FileMaker about making that you know, immediate so that as soon as you do something in, in FileMaker Go, maybe it pushes it up to server, server runs, does whatever it's going to do, and returns that back to FileMaker Go. What about doing something like uh, having a web page that you call from within your Go app and have that run a script on the server? Is that some sort of thing possible? I'm gonna just just a really bad idea, maybe. Well, I think you could do that. I mean, Jesse, I mean that would fall into your uh, realm of things. But certainly with a web viewer, you could trip uh, a process that would go back to your server. We've done that before with PHP and have it trip processes, right, on the mm-hmm. server. Yeah, the web publishing engine is another. You know, I mean, oftentimes people kind of lump web publishing engine and FileMaker server into one bucket, but they really are two different products. And while you can't directly trigger FileMaker server scripts, you can directly trigger FileMaker web publishing engine scripts. Uh, you could do. You could have like a web viewer. And the web viewer could have a URL in it, and that URL triggers a script to happen on the web publishing engine. It certainly doesn't feel real elegant. Yeah, yeah. This is a workaround, but it would allow you to do something like have someone in the field with an iPad push a button to print an invoice for a client or email an invoice to a client or, or a bid or something like that. And then a minute later, the client has an email with a PDF of the, the quote, which is something that otherwise can't be done right now with Go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in fact, some things the server uh, on the scripting side can't do itself, so it gets back to an issue where, you know, we've been trying to get rid of the idea of a robot computer that runs, right? And the server cannot print, make PDFs at the current time, and I don't know if FileMaker is going to really ever try to add that. So we're still in a stuck where we have a situation where FileMaker, we have a FileMaker client that runs the robot that rotates a, a schedule all the time, checking for status and things like that, and it can print and do uh, mailings and PDFs and export PDFs, Excel or whatever, so, yeah. So what other exciting things are happening with Go? What, what, have you deployed any solutions yet with clients? Yeah, we're in the process. We've quoted a number of projects. We've actually deployed a couple small ones. I know Jesse's deploying one. It was started as an Xcode project, and it's been uh, rewired back to Go. I mean, tell us about that. Talk about that. Yeah, that was, um, that was for National Energy Systems, which was bought by Johnson Controls. So the project was – so Johnson Controls took the project over, uh, and we had been doing a FileMaker project for NES. Once they were bought by Johnson Controls – uh, they asked us to build uh, an iPad data entry thing for people out in the field to collect data for doing industrial light fixtures. And so they have been, uh, they have inspectors going out, filling out forms on paper. Uh, at the end of the week, they'll fax those forms back into the headquarters. Headquarters keys them into the FileMaker database. They asked us to build an iPad app for them. This was in April before FileMaker Go existed. So we started building it in Objective-C with Interface Builder and Xcode. And it was tough. It was very hard. We, get, we spent about 35 to 40 hours creating a non-functional user interface prototype so they could navigate around but not actually do real data entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we learned about FileMaker Go, 
we redid the entire thing in FileMaker in about eight, maybe ten hours, and it's functional and, and, and demoable, and they're starting to starting to deploy it now. Yeah, that's that's exactly the kind of story I think we're going to be seeing so much, and also that kind of an uh, that kind of an automation is such low hanging fruit and such perfect application of Go, I think. Yeah, it's something that users have been asking for for a long time. And they have this, I was talking to the sales team earlier today, and, and there's this, these pain points where users need to go out in the field and deploy solutions. And, and so, for example, we were talking to one of the counties out in the San Francisco Bay Area, and they have inspectors that go into these buildings, and they check for code enforcement violations. And they don't really like hauling the laptops around because they're brittle, and they get stuff in the keyboard, and they're in attics and all these places. And uh, they, they write it down on paper, and they spend an hour every day going back to the office and keying it into FileMaker. And so they're all over the idea of uh, taking a pad into the uh, into these places, you know, put a ruggedized uh, case on it and make the data entry right there. So it, it, they save the hour a day. It works out that they will, with eight inspectors, they, over the course of a year, they'll save about $85,000. So it's, there's real ROI there. I mean, measurable money saved. So in situations like this, do you think it, do you think it's uh, going to be a mix of having the database living locally and then having a sync process when you go back in the office, or just having the database really live on FileMaker Server? I, that's a good question. Um, I have not tried creating a script yet. Um, maybe, maybe Richard can, can talk more about this. Um, I have not tried doing much as far as like syncing local data on Go up to FileMaker Server, but that certainly seems like it's going to be an important process. Yeah, we've been doing some sync work, and we're going to demo some of that here at the conference. I mean, effectively, the rub is is if, if you're going to do a sync, you need to make sure the device isn't going to get disconnected or hung up in the middle, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a process that you have to make the script resilient to understand that it might be interrupted. And when, it, when you come back to the system, it checks to make sure that whenever it ran previously, it, it completed fully and successfully. And if not, it goes back and finds the pieces it missed and, and repopulates that. But yeah, we're doing some, um, basically, we want to do remote connect, uh, connections, WAN connections if possible. But if the wireless network's not there, AT&T is being AT&T, then we're going to have the database local, collect it locally, which runs really fast, and then press a sync button at some point later in the day. Right. I did a, a little bit of something like that just for my own little test for um, the FMPUG attendance thing. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of stupid. We've always used a clipboard for the last 10 years of our FMPUG meetings. And I thought, okay, we've got Go. I've got an iPad. I'll just pass it around the room. And the first night, I built it, and everyone had to sort of type all this stuff in, and it took forever to get around the room. I thought, this is nowhere near as good as a clipboard. The second night, I preloaded everybody's names who said they were going to be there. And then when they typed in the first two letters, it just pre-filled out the form, and they clicked, I'm done, and they passed it to the next person. It was way faster than a clipboard. Hmm. Um, and I did the programming while I was on the train, so it was kind of fun, you know. <laughs> um, but then, then I didn't want to rely on the network, so I just have a button at the end that was a one-way push of data using UUIDs. Exactly. So uh, it's a one-way push is what we're doing a lot of. Uh, not trying to do a full sync because that can get really complicated. And I know FileMaker's thinking about you know what they could do to help people with syncing both ways um, long term. But certainly in the short term, um, you know, running scripts and doing a one-way sync certainly is an easy thing to do. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you're worrying about you know update times and when when this record was last updated and what if two people update and which one gets thrown out. It gets gets complicated. Oh, yeah. Two-way sync is monumentally complex, I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, especially if you've got multiple iPads in the field that could each independently update a record, and then you get one person who, like, makes a bunch of changes and then comes back a week later and tries to post them, then, you know, what wins? Um, there are some pretty good systems that you can study. You've seen in other um, programs that resolve that, like, um, like calendar syncing and MobileMe, things like that. But even that, you know, it it would be really, really hard to do. So I kind of think that having a small subset of the database um, running on the iOS device and 
really just letting people in the field make new records and subscribe to other records, but send it, make it pretty much a one way. It's going to be the low hanging fruit, much easier stuff to do initially anyway. Yep. Yeah. And I think if there was ever a need for a two way sync, the way I would probably try to approach that is I would do a one way sync from the iPad or iPhone onto a, a remote thing on FileMaker server and then try to trigger the script to happen on the server to actually resolve all the conflicts and push the data back and then do a pull so that I'm not actually doing a whole bunch of individual up and down transactions on the iPad. Right, so then the, the file that you're posting to is an intermediary file and you have another process? Yeah, that's, that's what I would do too, actually, probably. That's pretty smart. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, oh, you come to the developer conference and you hear perspectives from other people and you're like, wow, I've learned something new. Thanks, yeah. Jesse. <laughs> another reason to totally love UIDs too. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I love UIDs. Yes, yes. We've, we've switched to UUIDs for everything. That's one of the, um, that's probably the most common function that we use in our ScriptMaster plugin is the UUID function. Oh, yeah, I use the real UUIDs. I usually use the Ray Culligan UID shorter one, the yeah, four blocks good. of five. That's good too. That's yeah. good too. They both solve the same problem, but I don't need a plug-in for mine. I haven't tested that one. Uh, <laughs> we, we have ScriptMaster deployed in all of our stuff anyway. So we, really? Yeah. What a surprise. <laughs> Who doesn't? I know, I know. We will soon. Do you, how much do you use ScriptMaster, Richard? Well, I personally don't use a ton of it, uh, but my team use it to some degree. Actually, the tool that I've been more excited about lately is their Scribe plugin, which allows us to... Uh, uh, interactively uh, function and have FileMaker manipulate, uh, say, a Word document, a DocX document. So we've been doing that and helping, uh, I guess, Colleen a little bit uh, with her uh, presentation here at DevCon. That's your newest plugin you just came out with? Yes. Yes, we, um, we've got, the, we're going to be showing that at our booth. Basically, it's just we're, we're doing a low-level parse of the XML data format for Microsoft Word and uh, Excel files and PDF files, and then allowing you to change those on the fly, uh, fill in forms, read the contents of forms that other people have filled in and sent to you, um, and kind of just try to make it as much as possible so that FileMaker can can do whatever it needs to with the Word, PDF, or Excel file. That sounds really cool. I haven't had a chance to play with it yet with all the stuff going on, but I will soon. So what other implications, what other things have we seen come out with uh, with Go? So one of the issues that's come up is, of course, the lack of charting, at least in the in the first releases of the product. And so uh, uh, Lee uh, Lucart is a great guy, and he uh, runs a company called Savvy Data out of the Bay Area, and he is a charting genius, right? Um, and he is doing a lot of CSS charting, uh, and he's got a sample demo file on their website, and he's here. And uh, so I really recommend, I mean, certain technologies that are third-party that fill out FileMaker and whatever version. Jesse's company is one of the critical 360 works, critical company for filling out functionality. Uh, everyone seems to contribute a little bit. Lee is contri- contributing to Go specifically the ability to do charts today on Web Viewer with CSS. It's, a, it's slightly propeller head, but the reality is he's got a sample file. It shows you how to do it, how to manipulate it, take his code, rip it out, borrow it, stick it in your own solution. And so we've got document management. We've got charting back in. Uh, the things that uh, FileMaker couldn't really get to us on the first release, we've got so it's really neat. That's cool. And from what I heard, that charting solution doesn't even require a web connection. It runs locally. No, it absolutely runs locally, right? So he, the data is manipulated locally, and it goes right back in through the uh, data URL on a web viewer. Really cool. The thing that I'm looking forward most to is uh, hopefully, you know, in, in some future rev of, of Go is um, I know FileMaker doesn't support two-way syncing, and I know that's going to be complicated. I would love to see just an, as an intermediary kind of easy step the ability to push a local FileMaker file back up to server without having to sync it on a ca- on a cable that would be that would help a lot uh, you know as as an intermediary kind of stopgap until we've got a very good solution for full full fledged two way syncing. It creates a pretty awesome, uh, I think, market opportunity for someone to build a two way syncing app. I think hopefully we'll see several that can compete. You know, for different 
aspects of that market. Of course, we've already seen SyncDeck in the past. It's been around forever and ever. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure if they've made any announcements yet about a, about a Go-specific version of that, but it'd be pretty cool. I read a press release that SyncDeck 8 has been released, and they're going to be showing it here at DevCon. I don't know if there's any... Uh, I haven't found out yet if there's any FileMaker Go integration with that or not. It seems, it seems hard to believe that there would be, because FileMaker Go is very much a black box. You can't directly access it from anything outside. You can't run... Uh, code on it other than FileMaker scripts. So it seems like the only possibility for a third party to really get into FileMaker Go right now is either through the web viewer or through distributing copy and pastable type scripts that can yeah, be... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Basically okay. just putting out, making a script that was really robust that you could easily connect to. Okay. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Oh, <laughs> well, FM Search Results is that. but uh, And FM Search Results works really nice in Go, although the main layout, the, the main default result screen looked really bad. The conditional formatting just totally broke and go for whatever reason. But then the alternate ones all look really good. So that was kind of a weird little surprise. So let's talk about performance. Yeah, so we, I know FileMaker is number one. They, they don't like to talk greatly about performance uh, specifics because you know they, they don't want to be held accountable necessarily for certain tests and things like that. But we've been running some tests with Go. And specifically in a scenario where it's Wi-Fi connectivity with the Go and, a say, a Mac with a 2 gigahertz uh, core two type processor, accessing a remote server, and what we're seeing on our benchmarks, we did you know finds and create new records and do sorts and things like that. And basically, if you're using server, uh, we're basically uh, we are seeing that Go runs about half the speed of Pro. And people will, well, oh, that's horrible, right? Well, the reality is it's a, it's a mobile device that runs eight hours in your pocket yeah. or on a pad. And I think it's fantastic. That's, I, I'm astonished at how fast that is. That's amazing. Yeah, it seems it can seem pokey. One of those slower areas, uh, if you look at the chart that we have, uh, we'll be showing in our presentation is uh, object rendering, and they and they're aware of these issues. And, and obviously, it's a 1.0. It's like I always tell people, it's our first steps on the moon, right? And so they're going to do a lot more as we go forward. But initially, if you look at all the graphs, it's about half speed, which frankly is pretty great because I'm not pulling a 120 volt cord behind my you know device and it runs all day on a little lithium battery I, it, we're really excited by this uh, the pro product uh, obviously running it locally runs uh, both devices run faster if it's local and the pro really shines there it really smokes but you know and people are putting 12 cores and whatnot I mean remember these devices are either 800 megahertz or 1 gigahertz um, pro single core processors and people now have eight or ten processors that are going right. three gigahertz it's it's so it's really you know it's not fair to compare that right it, yeah actually it seems to me that the script execution speed seems fine uh the only delay i see is sort of the painting the screen and i our, wish that was faster a little bit yeah and our tests show that and i was talking to clay mackle today actually about that and he's aware of that he kind of groaned and rolled his eyes and he says yeah you know we're working out why that is and and so they, they're aware the things that we find they kind of know about already and so they're actively working to resolve those things still though it's pretty pretty impressive speed yeah, I mean, we've, we're, we've just got a little thing, but, but we're using it ourselves at the booth for data collection. Um, you know, people come up to the, us at the booth, and in years past, they've said, oh, I really would, I'm interested in products such and such. And we would write on the back of a business card, and then later you have no idea what that was or who that was or anything like that. So this year we're using FileMaker Go at our booth to make a note of what somebody wants. We get an ID number. We punch that ID number into the RFID scanner, scan their badge. Now we've got a relationship between our notes and their badge, and we can have, I think, much more effective booth follow-ups than we've been writing stuff on business cards. That's awesome. That's going to be cool. So I did a test database. I, um, I put a 20-gigabyte file on my iPad, and I opened it, and, it was, and I did a search, and it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. 
in speed. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. It, uh, and of course, I could. The biggest file I could have is 60 gigs on the actual device because I have a 64 gig iPad. Um, yeah, the first thing I the first thing I noted, I had a 16 gig device, and I, I couldn't play with his toys, so I was a little <laughs> jealous of that. But uh, but the performance uh, that's fast. That's really fast because it's, it's using the in, you're using the indexing with the indexing is turned on for the ser- searches. Yeah, that that was my stunt file from last year. It's all of Wikipedia in a FileMaker database. The it's, entire the entire Wikipedia. The the entire Wikipedia all. I can't remember how many articles, like 3 million articles, and all of their related articles, so like 30 or 40 million related records. And loading one and searching for one is just super fast. Yeah, that just shows you the power of Go and the fact that these processors, I mean, despite what the modern comparison is, we've got a lot of power in our pocket. I mean, it's not just a phone anymore. It's not just a music player. It's really a a portable computer that does a tremendous amount. So. Jesse, make us some new cool tools. Uh, that, that's really impressive. I didn't know you had done that. I had never, it never even occurred to me to try something like that. So that's, that's pretty neat. We were wanting to test. Um, I was talking to Scott Karch from Facility Wizards, Facility Wizards. He wanted to test and see how the difference between accessing a really large database like that hosted versus local. Um, but it's a little bit difficult to upload a file that big to a server when you're at a hotel in, in uh, San Diego. So what do you guys think of the venue here? Oh, this is fine. The weather's great. It's a little cooler, obviously, than Arizona, and it's uh, spread out, and traffic's better than San Francisco, so I, I like it. I, I do miss my lazy river, so that's uh, from the from years gone by where we'd float around a big uh, circular kind of pool. It's a huge improvement from last year, in, in my opinion. I mean, I loved having it in San Francisco. Uh, I think having it in the city was, was wonderful, but my, my only complaint last year, and it was a major complaint, was the distance between the showcase and the sessions. We had very, very low booth traffic last year, yep. and, uh, and this year we're right in the middle of things, so we're, we're really hoping for a, a good turnout and a lot of interest this year, and I think that the, the layout of the, of the, the floor is going to help that. Yeah, the weather sure is nicer. I love that, and I, I'm really glad that the trade show is going to be closer. I'll be able to spend lots more time there doing podcast interviews and whatnot. It's 101 in Portland today. Uh, wow, 101. I can't believe it. In Portland. In Portland. Yeah. And like maybe 70 here today. Maybe later on anyway it'll be 70. And it's, and it's beautiful and sunny, and it's not overcast at all. It's just sunny and cool and breezy. It's just perfect. Yep. Well, thanks very much for your time, guys. Well, thank you, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs>